Mark Cuban. How you do anything is how you do everything. If you're not, if you don't pay attention to detail on the little things, you're not going to be in the habit of paying attention to detail for the big things. Ken Griffey Jr. Hey, he wears his hat backwards. Well, I wear my hat backwards because my dad had a fro and I wanted to wear his hat. And if I put his hat on at age six and, you know, he's got a eight and a half and I got like a little five, it's not going to really stay on my head. Jeannie Buss. Thank you for having me. What a nice turnout. It's good to see everybody. John Smoltz. Is if you don't have the imagination and the willingness to fail or not being afraid to fail, I don't think you can be truly great. Candace Parker. I have so much hope for this generation coming up that have grown up with women in sports, in leadership roles, on television, speaking about sports, speaking knowledgeably about sports. Pal Gasol. To me, all the work that I've done, all the humanitarian work that I've done has always given me great perspective, has allowed me to keep my feet on the ground and uh, has really put and reminded me what's truly important. Damian Lillard. That was for Seattle. (laughs) (laughs) Just to name a few. Welcome to Sports Business Radio. Now, here's Brian Berger. Well, thanks for joining us on this edition of Sports Business Radio, powered by Molka Sports. Find them online at malkasports.com. Another fantastic guest for you this week, someone returning to Sports Business Radio after joining me a little over a year ago. He's got a new book out, Bubba Watson, two-time Masters champion, author of the new book, Up and Down, Victories and Struggles in the Course of Life. He co-wrote the book with Don Yeager. Just a real candid book about his struggles with mental health, the death of his father, how he dealt with increased fame after winning the Masters, and his life being married and adopting two children. A really candid book and a human book from Bubba Watson. I think you're going to enjoy this conversation on our show today. I'm joined by executive producer Brian Griggs. Griggs, how are you? I'm doing good. And that's one of the things I love about Bubba. On our first interview, he was the same too, but even on this one, even more in depth and just, he's so real and just human and normal and uh, speaks his mind and just answers the questions. Great, good stories all around. Just a, a really good guy. And it's a fun interview. Yeah. I mean, look, golfers can be pretty vanilla, right? I mean, Tiger has always had a personality. Phil's had a personality. Ricky Fowler. There's some golfers out there that have personalities. Bubba has a personality. And you know, he's always had a personality and he's not everyone's cup of tea, but he's my cup of tea. And I like that he has a personality and I like that he wears Jordan shoes and that he owns a minor league baseball team and that he owns a candy store and that he's a parent to two adopted kids. And I love the fact that he is helping others come out and talk about their struggles with mental health. My struggles with mental health have been very, very real this year. And you know, I haven't really talked about him and I'm not ready to talk about him yet. But, uh, you know, when I see people like Bubba Watson come out and address his struggles with mental health, it, it makes me feel better about what I'm going through. And I think a lot of people are probably in my position, too, where they're not as fearful to talk about those struggles when they see someone like Bubba come out and talk about it. Yeah, I agree. And I think when you're going through a struggle, mentally especially, you feel like you're the only person that's going through it. So it's nice to have someone else like this that can come out and speak about it. And you're like, okay, cool. I've got somebody else on my, in my, you know, my side that, that goes through this too. 
All right, Bubba Watson, two-time Masters champion, author of the new book, Up and Down, Victories and Struggles in the Course of Life. He's going to join me next. To those listening, if you want to watch this interview, it's on the Sports Business Radio YouTube channel. Go to sportsbusinessradio.com, click on the link to our YouTube channel, and you can watch this conversation there as well. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Hi, it's Brian Berger here. In addition to hosting Sports Business Radio, I'm also the co-founder of the consulting firm Everything is on the Record. Since 2007, we've been working with CEOs, corporate spokespeople, pro sports team owners, athletic directors, elite athletes, and coaches to help them navigate the tricky media and social media landscape. My business partner is Rick Buecher of Fox Sports. As part of a new partnership with e-learning platform Open Sesame, we are now offering many of our teachings via on-demand courses available on video. Courses include presenting your best self in a video meeting. Your personal brand is connected to your employer's brand. Pause before you post, text, and email. And scrubbing your social media. To take any of our insightful video courses on demand, visit opensesame.com and type in the words, everything is on the record in the search. That's opensesame.com. To learn more about how we can provide a customized training session for your organization, visit everythingisontherecord.com. That's everythingisontherecord.com. Now, back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. My guest is Bubba Watson, two-time Masters champion, author of the new book, Up and Down, Victories in the Course of Life. It's available on Amazon.com and bookstores everywhere. Bubba is 14th on the all-time career earnings list for pro golfers. You can follow him on Twitter and Instagram at Bubba Watson. Bubba, you recently celebrated a birthday. Happy birthday. No, thank you so much, man. So let's start with your book. Just fantastic. I I couldn't put it down. Um, I love books that are honest and candid. You know, some people write books and they want to put a fairy tale story to their life. And while yours is a wonderful life, you also are very open and honest about your struggles with mental health and, uh, you know, adopting kids and marriage and, and all of these things. Let's start with why did you write a book now? Why was now the time to write a book? Um, there's there's a, a couple of reasons. And so I didn't want to write a book about golf. Like that's just like kind of what you said. It's just it, that's no fun. And so when the pandemic happened, I um, I literally just came out of what I call my darkest hour, um, rock bottom, right? First chapter of the book. And so I came, it was started, give or take, it started years ago, but 15, 16, and 17 were the years that were like, just, I kept going down. And so now I'm come out of it, 18, I come out of it, 19. And so now the pandemic happens and we don't know what's going on with the world. We don't know what's happening. We just know that businesses and sports and everything started shutting down and sitting around the house, I said, man, maybe it's time to write a book. Uh, Maybe it's time to do it. And it's not really about golf. It's not about this, but it's about my struggles. Maybe we can inspire somebody. And um, for me, um, it was an, it was a freeing moment. You know, the freeing moment was in 17 when I went to my wife and told her um, all my issues, everything that's going on in my head. And so now I get to share that. I've already shared it with my, my wife, my team, my family, all these people. 
But now I want to give it to the world and the world to help inspire somebody. If it was one person, the book is worth it. If it's two people, man, that's a double blessing. And so for me, it was just, um, it was the time. It was the right timing. I had plenty of time. Um, a lot of things were shut down. I wasn't playing golf. We didn't know where the world was going. So why not try to put it to paper? And so that's what we did. Um, took a while to get all the things right. It took a, many, many hours of phone on the phone. Um, but yeah, we got it right. I read it, had to correct some things and make sure everything was right. But um, I wanted to share, I, you know, there's nothing I need to hold back. If I can tell it to my wife, I can tell it to everybody else. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's changed my life. It's freed me up. Um, so it was, uh, I thought it was the right time to do it. How did you come across Don Yeager? I know you said in the book, you guys had discussed this for a long time. He had come to you years ago with this idea. How did Don become the person to help tell your story? So Don was one of many that have reached out about doing the book. And then, you know, um, what kind of book are you writing? What, what, you know, all these different things. And Don, Don, his whole pitch the whole time was, I love who you are. Whatever book you want to write, let's write it. And so that was nice to hear. And that was years ago. He told me that. But I just didn't have anything really to write about. Didn't have the things that I want to write about. And then going through the issues, um, Don popped up again. And when I say Don popped up, it was us. We were like, okay, who can we get to write it? What kind of person do we want? Looked at some of Don's books and we went back to Don and said, we're going to do it ourselves. Um, so with the process started with ourselves, then we had to get a publisher because it was me picking pages and <laughs> colors and fonts. And I was like, okay, I'm not educated in this. <laughs> I can tell you my life story, but I can't educate. I'm not educated enough to pick out fonts. Um, so we reached out to a publishing company, but but Don was, he was, he's a great man. Um, I love who he is as a husband, as a dad, uh, as a friend. And so, you know, this process, our, our families, our, our relationship has grown uh, because we spent, <laughs> spent many hours on a phone call because we didn't, you know, obviously didn't want to meet face to face with all the stuff going on with the pandemic. Um, so Tuesdays and Thursdays were our days and my kids knew it. I locked myself in the office and talked <laughs> for hours at a time. And somehow we got through the book. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, you said you wanted to inspire one or two people. You inspired this guy right here. So oh, man, thank you know, you. There, there's one person right there. And I know people are going to read this and, uh, you know, it's going to help them a lot. One of the things you talked about with me when you were on Sports Business Radio with me last time is mental health and, you know, the importance of being able to talk about mental health now. Five, 10, 15 years ago, it was... Uh, it was seen as a sign of weakness if you talked about mental health. That was one of the big takeaways from this book for me is that you talked about your struggles with anxiety. You talked about overthinking things and kind of getting inside of your head. One of the things I loved about the book is I really felt like when I was reading it, it was your voice. Like I could be inside of your head with you when you were, whether it was second guessing a second shot or things going on with your family. But Bubba, you've become a real spokesman for talking about mental health. And I think this book is only going to put that in the spotlight more. Right. My, my whole thing was, um, I, I think, communication. Communication is the key. And for me, my body was, was healthy, um, my blood work, all these things, my heart. But something was eating me inside. And, and I had so many things going on I had to share. And for my relationship to be where it should be, um, my marriage, I had to tell her. I had to let her know what I was going through. 
Um, it's not that I was trying to be distant from her. It wasn't, I was trying to be distant from my kids when I'm sitting there at dinner and I've got all these things going through my head, I'm losing weight. I mean, obviously she could see something was going on. And so I had to, I had to voice it and going back to being a man, I I don't feel less of a man. I feel more of a man. My wife is closer to me now. Um, we understand each other better now. And now we're free to talk about things. She's told me things about her. Um, and so our relationship that way, now our relationship with my, my, my close friends, my, my close niche of friends, we can discuss things because they got to hear all my stuff. And so, um, and now I get to hear them because now they want to voice it, right? They feel free. They feel, they feel like they can voice it. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it's, I don't feel less of a man. I feel actually more of a man because now I'm man enough to tell you I've got issues. Um, and yeah, it was a, it's kind of like adoption, adoption years ago. You didn't tell anybody about adoption. You're like not a man if you can't have your own child. And, and I think we missed the boat on some of those things. And so when it comes to me, communication is the key. We have to let it out. If you hold it in, you're going to find a negative way to deal with it. Luckily for me, I hit rock bottom, but I didn't really go to alcohol or drugs or different things. I, I just let it eat me away, which is a negative thing too. But luckily I, I came out of it in a positive light. Yeah, you talked about 162 was the number in the book and you dropped down to 162 pounds. Um, I found it really compelling. You talked about, you know, how, when you lost your dad, he had dropped a lot of weight. So it, sent off the alarms with inside of you that, oh my gosh, I'm losing weight. Maybe I'm going to die too. What was that like? And how did you recover from that? Because that would bring a lot of people down to a point where they can't come back. 100%. Um, So my dad in 2010, he was give or take 190 pounds. And then when he passed away in 2010, he got down to 90 pounds, 90 ish pounds. And I remember bathing him three days before he passed away and I could see the vision. So when I looked in the mirror, when I looked at that scale at 162, when I looked at the mirror, I could see my face. I could picture him and I could picture his from the day that he told me he had cancer to the day he passed away, the, the change in his, his face and structure. Um, and I could see that with me. And um, so what is it? the first thing if you got if you got mental thoughts going on? First thing is I got cancer. Uh, I'm matching my dad. Um, so, so I go to the hospital, tell my wife, I was like, something's going on. I'm losing weight. It just keeps coming down, keeps coming down. All the doctors said, there's nothing wrong with it. I'm like, well, there's something wrong with me. I can see it. Um, and, and so, yeah, when you, when you see that bone structure, the, the face, just and everybody's like, man, you look great. I'm like, no, no, I don't. And yeah. so, you know, I, I just kept, I kept seeing that and vision in that. And then, so when I fell to my knees, um, you know, I saw the scale at 162. I see myself because the, the scale is by the mirror. Bathroom's about 15 feet away from um, my bed. And I fall to my knees on my, right next to my bed and lean my head on the bed and, and just say, God, take me uh, because I don't want to go through this. I don't want because I saw what my mom went through. I saw what I went through. My friends went. They, they saw my dad as well. And then um, now I don't want my wife to go through this. I don't want my kids to go through this. And so. I'm like, just take me. Let's end it. Let's let the struggle just go ahead and end. And then when I said that, though, because my mind worked so fast, when I said that, um, a light went off and I'm like, wait, is this the last 10 minutes you want to spend with your wife or by your bed when you could be in the kitchen? My wife was in the kitchen at the time. Would you should you be in the kitchen talking to her, showing her so much love that she she is excited about the new chapter in her life? 
And the same thing with my kids. And I was like, I'm wasting 10 minutes. If I have 10 minutes, I'm wasting that 10 minutes. Um, so that's when I just went in there and just confessed everything. And when I say confess, it's not like I did anything wrong, but I was letting things, eat, the world eat me up. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so I had to do that with my kids. But then it was like 10, that light that went off was like 10 minutes. What if you have 30 minutes? What if you have 30 days? What if you have 30 years? And so that's really what got me off the floor thinking about, I've got to be better for them. They're, I'm the leader of this household. And if, how can I be the leader if I'm here pouting and I'm here asking God to take me? Um, not that I wanted my life to end. It's just that's where I was. I didn't want them to suffer like I was suffering right now. Um, and, and so that's really what that that light went off and I, you know, got off the floor and I'm, and it didn't happen like in the first 10 seconds. I mean, it took me a second or two to be like, hold on a second, but my stomach's hurting and I'm losing weight. And I'm there. I'm like, forget that. Let's go in here. And that's when I just told her everything and broke down, cried a lot. She cried a lot. And, and she said, I want to help you. And, and here we are today talking about the blessings of, of my life and, and, and of the book that trying to inspire people. Well, like I said, you're going to inspire a lot of people. One of the other parts of the book that really struck me is, you know, you talked about your childhood, Bubba from Baghdad, and, you know, there weren't huge expectations. You were a very good young golfer, but no one ever said, hey, this guy's going to win two Masters. Um, This guy's going to own a minor league baseball team. This guy's going to own a, a candy shop. You know, he's going to have a lifetime deal with Ping. And then fame comes. And you win a master's and you win a green jacket and you're kind of thrust into that. And I think for a lot of people reading this, they could go, wow, you're going from zero to 150 pretty quickly when you win a master's and you get some of the the fame that you had dealing with that. I I thought that was a really interesting part of the book. Yeah, there's no there's no manual to fame. Right. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? There's no there's no. Nobody knows. So as a child, my dream of making a 10 footer to win the Masters, right? Masters is the greatest tournament on earth and everybody knows it. There's no, there's no, there's no even a a close second, right? And so that was my dream is winning the Masters, a 10 footer as a 12 year old, right? You're making these putts and you're like, I won the Masters. But when you actually do it, my whole dream as a kid was to win, to go home. That's it. You don't think about your sponsors, you're, you're, as a 12 year old, you don't even know what sponsors are at 12 years old. <laughs> you don't know what signing autographs is like. You don't know what um, two weeks before you win the Masters, you adopted a child. <laughs> you don't, there's, I mean, there's just things, there's no manual for this. There's no manual. I mean, there's manuals for life, but not for fame, um, celebrities, whatever it is. And um, people just start talking to you and putting you on this pedestal like you're this great human being. And no, I, I just hit a hook shot. I, I didn't, it doesn't mean I'm better than anybody else. It doesn't mean I don't have mistakes. It doesn't mean I don't have issues. It just means at that moment, I want a green jacket. And, and don't get me wrong, that moment was a massive moment. But now the sponsors pull you, the, the fans pull you, the, the, your friends pull you. Cousins come out of the woodwork. I didn't know I had cousins. And so, I mean, just people come out of the woodwork, right? And it's not that they're, they, they're being mean, or they're being hateful. It's just, they love you. You, you did something that they dream they could do. Um, and again, it just, it, you're right. It goes from, I think it went faster than 150, but <laughs> I mean, it was so fast. And then I remember um, getting home and I, in, in my dream as a kid, and as I'm getting on the tour, I said, I'm not going to do media. I'm going to win the masters and I'm just going to not do media. 
And that's a lie because it happened. <laughs> and so I went home, even adopted my kid two weeks before, um, Caleb, two weeks before. I win the Masters. I get home. I said, I'm going home. I told my manager, I'm going home first. When I get home, I had a radio station call me 48 times in a row. Oh, my God. Somehow, somehow this radio station has got my number. So my manager has one goal on a Monday. Change my number. Make it private. Change my number. So we took about four hours to finally get it private. And so now when I call people, it's private. Uh, but so we got it done. And um, but then my wife said, hey, this is your dream. So Tuesday, we were on a jet and we went to New York. So Tuesday is when I hit my media tour. Normally it's on a Monday, but I hit it on Tuesday. She gave me a day to, to go uh, live my dream. Um, and so it's fun. I mean, to see all the different golfers that have done that, wear the green jacket in New York and do the media blitz, it's fun. But again, it's just, it's, you can't, you can't prepare for it. And I'm definitely made mistakes. Now, some people have the team around them where it looks like they're, they got everything in a row, but as you know, and I think everybody should know by now, we all got issues and <laughs> we're all trying to figure it out. One of the things you talked about in the book too, is a little bit of imposter syndrome after winning the first masters, then you win the second. And I love the part in the book where you talk about how you wear the green jacket and you go visit schools and you say to these kids, look, if I can do this, you can do this. Dream big dreams. And, you know, you embraced being a two-time Masters champion and there was no more imposter syndrome. Yeah, I was, I was um, again, it goes back to the first part. Again, it's, it's all these thoughts in my head that, that are leading. I, I take the negative out of everything. Um, I've learned that about myself. But, um, you know, when you think about Bubba from Baghdad, um, when you think about no lessons, when you think about my, my family's income, um, you think about all these things growing up and, and my grades weren't very good. I was focused on golf. I was focused on sports and people said you weren't going to make it and all these things. And then I'm, I win the masters, right. I, um, in 2012. So I was embarrassed. I, I was like, wait, why am I winning? Why aren't these, why aren't these great players that I look up to winning? Why isn't all these things happen and why me? Um, and so that's where I went. I went to a negative place, um, in 12, I want to hide the jacket. I didn't want people to bug me about it. I didn't want my friends to see it. Uh, I just put it in my closet and hid it from everybody. And, um, and so, but then, you know, when you come out of that, that low point of thinking about all the negative things and, and trying to finally get rest at the end of the year in 2012, um, you know, you come out of that and now you're hungry for more personally, not for, not for the world, but for me personally. So when I won in 14, that proved to myself, I, I do belong. Um, that proved to myself that I'm, I wouldn't say worthy of the jacket because that's not the right word. I would say that I'm not an imposter. Um, it wasn't a fluke. Um, and so I wanted to do it differently. I, I, I knew I didn't handle it the right way personally, and I didn't handle it the right way using the platform in the right direction. And so me going back to school, I got out of school in 01, graduated in 08, now with the green jacket. And it wasn't about golf. Who cares about golf? It was about whatever you want to do in life, um, trying to encourage them and whatever that is. I mean, if it's a kid sitting there wants to be a teacher, great. Be the best teacher you can be. If I can make it from Bubba from Baghdad with no lessons, then think about your education and what you can do to change the world way better than I can. Um, and so that's what I was trying to do is inspire. So in 14, it was more about trying to inspire that way, um, you know, and, and hopefully do the, the jacket the right way, um, using the platform the right way. 
The other part of the book that really struck me is I took it as uh, a little bit of an apology and a thank you to your caddy, Teddy, mm. and the relationship that you guys have had and that he's been with you for a long time, more than a lot of caddies are, are with the person that they're uh, pulling the bag for. You guys are friends, not just caddy golfer relationship, but he had to have some really candid conversations with you, whether it was on the course or off the course. I thought that was an interesting insight into your relationship as part of this book. Right. Um, you know, the, the beauty of Teddy is that he is a strong man, strong in his faith. And he was a leader for, for me for 15 years. Um, and for him to be able to forget his job, right? Like most people don't want to go to their boss and be like, hey, here's what I think you're doing wrong. And so for him to step out, realizing that he could get fired or he could do this or that, right? Um, for him to do that, not once, but multiple times, uh, shows how tough and strong he is as a man and who he is as a person. Um, and I'm not saying he doesn't have flaws and everything that, that we've talked about, but what this was about is about me and him helping me grow as a, as a man. Um, gosh, you know, I, you know, there was looking back, you know, at travelers and I think it was, it could have been 13. I'm not sure what year it was. Um, it was one of those travelers where I, I made a triple bogey on the 16th hole when I was winning. Um, and it came across that I was yelling at him and I didn't like him and I was mad at him, you know, over the airway on TV. And so, yeah, I mean, I, you know, my whole apologies to him, I, I you know, I needed to keep apologizing to that or to him for that, you know, but, um, yeah, I mean, for him to stick with me, knowing that I have issues um, and and him being a man to be able to tell me to correct myself and try to get better. Um, yeah, I mean, I applaud him. He led me for 15 years and now he's going to hopefully his whole dream and goal is to coach, but also lead some other young punk kid and try to make them win three masters, you know. Well, it's a good part of the book. And again, um, a lot of people wouldn't put that in the book. They would just like leave that private and wouldn't address it. So I, I applaud you for putting it in the book. Another strong person in your wife, as you mentioned earlier, is your wife, Angie. And, you know, she's a former athlete, um, you know, understands what it's like to be an elite athlete. But the journey of getting married and then adopting, that was an interesting part of this book as well. Uh, like you said earlier in this conversation, sometimes people look at adoption a little bit different than if you have your own child. But I think, you know, you're providing an amazing home for your kids. I see, you know, you posted on Twitter the other day, uh, you and your kids at the Waffle House, like it seems like you've got a great relationship with your kids. But the whole process, like I felt like I was going through the process of adoption with you because it's nerve wracking and sometimes it doesn't always work out as planned. Yes. Um, you know, we talk about one of the first or second date, you know, depends on which which one you're talking to uh, me or her. But um, she told me that she can't have kids. And so, you know, it was and I told her right then I was like, well, God has a God can make us have a family. You know, there's ways there's other ways to have a family. And so, yeah, I mean, when you think about adoption, when I think about adoption, I think about you're your blessing some child. Um, you're blessing some child into a tough that was born into a tough situation. Um, and, and so it's not, uh, I don't see it as a negative towards the, the woman or the couple that have to give this child up. I see it as they're actually trying to help this child the right way or, or correct way or the best way they know how. And so for me, 
I want Caleb and Dakota to be blessed. I want them to have a fun childhood, but I, I never want to steer them away. We've already shared with them that they're adopted and they they understand the story. She's only six, so she knows that she's adopted, but she probably doesn't know quite, doesn't register quite yet. He's nine, so he he understands. He understands a little bit, but a lot better. And um, but we don't ever want to say like you can't see your family, you can't know your family later in life. Um, Dakota's situation, they're uh, they're homeless, so it's going to be harder for her to you know figure out or, or, or us trying to help her figure out when she gets older, when she's um, you know smart enough to realize and go search for them. It's going to be harder to find them. But um, so yeah, it's a it's a grueling process, um, and then trying to play golf at a high level, mm-hmm. um, trying to be there for a wife who's really upset that she wants to be a mom. Right. And, and why is she not a mom? Why are people turning her down? I mean, yeah, it's a, it's a process. Um, you know, we started the process that my dad, um, announced he had cancer to me and then he passed away of cancer. So we stopped the process and we started the process again. So it was just a, it's a long process. Uh, and then getting turned down when your wife looks at you and says, am I not fit to be a mom? Who? Yeah. That's a tough conversation to have with your wife. Uh, and sometimes all you can do is cry and hug her. <laughs> and so I'm really good at crying and hugging. So um, that's pretty much all I could do in that situation, because it's a hard thing to be face to face with your wife and ask. And she's asking you, why can't be, why can't I be a mom? And so not only can she not have her own kids, it was she can't even adopt, you know, when she got turned down a couple or we got turned down a couple of times. So, yeah, it was a it was a long, tough process, a beautiful process in the end. Sometimes the, you go the tough road and it works out so much better than your plan, right? Our plan is always, we think is best, but it's, it, it more than likely isn't. Yeah. Was there anything else about this book that you were like, you know what? I absolutely have to tell the story of this part of my life in the book. You know, looking back at it, there's always second and everything you do in life. There's always second guessing. Um, you know, I, I think I didn't hit on enough where my childhood was fabulous. There's nothing I would change in my childhood. I, I couldn't ask for better parents. They loved me. They took care of me. They did all these things, provided for me. Um, but my issues in 17, my rock bottom in 17, I say it starts in 15, but really it started as my childhood, right? We take the negatives. We might not know we're taking the negatives, but later in life, you know, we're, we're, we're focused on those things and we've kind of learned it, right? We learn bits and pieces going forward. Your issue becomes an issue, not right when it happens. It's because something else is happening in your life. Um, and all those little things add up to this massive thing and then you blow up. And so, you know, my childhood was phenomenal, but there was some negatives that I took. So thinking about mental, the mental side of it, I mean, there is, there's a lot of things, you know, my dad, um, didn't want things behind him. Didn't want, when I say things, people behind him. So when he had a sat down at a restaurant, didn't want to go in the elevator because of his, his, his military background. Um, you know, and it makes me appreciate the military even more. Um, I appreciate them already, but it makes me appreciate them even more. The more I hear my dad's story and think about my dad's story, because what they're dealing with, they're dealing with stuff that me and you um, uh, don't deal with on a daily basis. My dad was only in the military for a few years, um, did some crazy things. And um, man, I mean, you know, I'm hoping that one military man or woman gets to hear my story and, and it helps them and inspires them to, to help other people in their, their military branches. I've been doing a lot of meditation. I ride my Peloton. I go to therapy. What advice do you have to our audience, our listeners, about how do you 
deal with your mental health? You know, you've talked about it in the book, you've talked about it in this conversation, but what are you doing specifically to try and help your mental health? So I've, I've started training. Me and my wife actually trained together. Um, a big uh, company, um, have a few things around the country, Exos. Um, and they, um, it just happens to be Dr. Andrews, Exos are right here in Gulf Breeze next to Pensacola. So I can pop over there. We train together, um, just more time with my wife. Um, and then training, so working out, like you said, with Peloton, it gets your body juices flowing the right, the right way. Um, eating better, um, um, hydration um, is another key. So sleep and hydration are my two main things. I have water nonstop with me. Um, I try to always stay hydrated and try to get to sleep. Sleep is really, really important for development of your body and, and relaxing your body, recovery, all those things. And then you said therapy for me. Um, yes. And it would be, I don't, I don't have, I do have therapy, but it's, I don't pay that person and they, they actually can talk to other people about it. I talk to my wife. I talk to my friends. Um, you have to communicate. So communication, sleep and hydration and training. So there's four, I guess that's four steps. Do my quick math. Um, that's what I'm focused on. And that's what's, that's helped me. And, and with all those things are coming together, um, you know, I can tackle my two kids yelling at me. I can tackle when I let my wife down. Um, I can tackle different things better, not perfectly, but better um, going forward. And that's the, that's the whole key for me. So if I was talking to anybody, those are the kind of the things I would look at in their life to see what, where they can improve those areas. Before I let you go, uh, we traded direct messages on uh, Twitter a few months ago. I had Bob Costas on and he said, hey, before I retire, I want to call games for a minor league team. You own a Pensacola minor league baseball team. Have you and Bob been in, in contact? I've been wondering, wondering like how that worked out. Is he going to call some games for the Blue Wahoos? <laughs> so it's a funny story, you know, with, with the whole background, um, a guy that works at the Wahoos, the announcer for the Wahoos, um, his granddad is his granddad helped Bob Costas, you know, kind of like mentor him coming up. And again, I didn't think about that when we reached out on social media and then it started coming out because then the Wahoos people saw it, that we were doing this. And, and then we called them and talked to them about it. But yeah, so Bob, long story short, Bob has reached out, um, talked to him personally on the phone, um, made it, he made a call, uh, to the Wahoos and everything. And, um, so, so he said his life is um, obviously all of our lives are chaotic and there's things we got to do, but he said, if he does it and he wants to do it, he would love to do it. And he would definitely do it because of the history of the families and the different people that now are with the Wahoos, um, his mentorship back in the day. So, yeah, he said he would love to do it. And just the timing needs to be right. And the timing, you know, he's busy. There's things going on. But but, yeah, he said he definitely would love to do it. And he really wants to do it. It's not like this is not just something he just threw out there. I mean, he actually thinks it would be the greatest thing ever to do. That is fantastic. That makes me very happy. And, you know, I, I think just the story you told, it would be fitting if he, if he called a blue Wahoos game. Bubba Watson, author of the new book, Up and Down, Victories and Struggles in the Course of Life. The book is available at Amazon.com and bookstores everywhere. Follow Bubba on Instagram and Twitter at Bubba Watson. Bubba, look, you're one of my favorites, man. And I, I'm really 
pleased with how your book turned out. I think you did a great job. I think you're going to inspire a lot of people. You certainly inspired me. And I wish you a happy holiday season and nothing but success. Yeah, thank you, man. Thanks for having me, man. Enjoyed it. Thanks for everything. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Hey, it's Brian Berger here. We've collaborated with our friends at Parish Project to create high-quality sports business radio clothing, including hoodies, long-sleeve T-shirts, and short-sleeve T-shirts. Each item comes in five different colors and a variety of sizes. These items are super comfortable, and you can wear them on Zoom calls, while working out, or when you're lounging around the house. Sports Business Radio has loyal listeners around the world. We'd love for you to post a picture rocking your Sports Business Radio gear. Tag us on Instagram or Twitter if you post. Get your official Sports Business Radio gear by going online to parishproject.com. That's parishproject.com. P-A-R-I-S-H project.com. Well, that's it for this edition of Sports Business Radio. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks to our show staff, Brian Griggs and Josh Blank. And thanks to our partner, Molka Sports, for powering Sports Business Radio. Learn more about them online at molkasports.com. That's M-A-L-K-A sports.com. For Brian Griggs, I'm Brian Berger. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you soon right here on Sports Business Radio. This and every SBR podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and your favorite listening app. Follow Sports Business Radio on Facebook, Twitter at SB Radio, Instagram at Sports Business Radio, and online at sportsbusinessradio.com. Sports Business Radio is produced by Brian Griggs and Griggs Productions, griggsproductions.com.